Happy Veterans Day. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. Amen. Well, it's so good to be with y'all. And this is how we fight our battles. Fight our battles. And this is how we fight our battles. And this is how we fight our battles. And this is how we... Come on, lift your voice to him. It may look like, come on. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm Come on, live in that reality. It may look like I'm surrounded, but It may look like, it may look like, it may look like we walk by faith and not by sight. It may look like, but I'm surrounded by you. And this is how we fight our battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. All right, so this is how you fight your battles. Why don't you lift up a praise? Our weapon is praise and thanksgiving, yes. celebrating an awesome and wonderful God, inviting him in the space we are at. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be before you this morning, and um, I want to honor Dougie Fresh, I mean, Pastor Doug, and uh, I've got great gratitude. I mean, you guys are family, and uh, when I come in, uh, when I come in, you make me feel like I'm family, and I'm so grateful. Thank you for letting the brother stick around a little bit. And uh, 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 since you last saw me, I am a grandpa, and yeah, yeah, there's Judah. If you're not on Facebook or on Instagram, this is what he looks like. He is just a doll, and as my friend John Nixon uh, calls me endearingly, Gramps. Yeah, that's why I pushed you earlier. Anyway. But Mike is doing well, Tyree's doing, doing well, and uh, I understand that we right now are in the midst of a series called Unsung Heroes. Uh, as you discover, discover some of the obscure people in the Bible who've made incredible impact. They define unsung hero as one who does great deeds but receives little or no recognition for them. But the reality is there's an unsung hero in all of us. I remember back in high school, uh, I, I played a little foosball or football, and I was the defensive back, and in the fall of, it's got to be fall of oh, 90, and um, we had our football banquet, and uh, the, the coach was passing out all the awards, and, you know, he went through, like, offensive player of the year, and then he went to defensive player of the year, and then he went to team MVP, and I'm waiting for my name to be called. And my name was called, but I got unsung hero award. And I'm telling you, I didn't quite value it. Uh, Unsung Hero Award to me was like a participation trophy. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, it was like, did I just get Team Spirit Award? And 
<laughs> and, you know, and the, the crazy thing about it is I got a twin brother and he got it too, so I had to share the Unsung Hero Award. I didn't even have that by myself. I mean, I had a little pride issue then. I mean, right now I'm the most humble person I know, but back then, um, <laughs> yeah. in fact, right now I'm practicing my humility right before you. Uh, but you know, Unsung Hero Award is like having two best friends to me, right? I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to share that. It's just, anyway. Anyway. Uh, but the reality is that people that stand in the lights typically have people that are not so much in the light helping push them forward. And those are the unsung heroes. Those are the people that are doing the dirty work, uh, carrying some of the weight or some of the burden. And, and what I had to learn is these people are no less valuable in the kingdom of God. Hmm. So this morning, our valuable, great deed doing, receiving little recognition, unsung hero, we were recognized as Ananias. Now, Ananias is um, a common name in the book of Acts, and uh, so we have to differentiate him from Ananias the high priest, who I would say was kind of a, uh, a wicked religious ruler, uh, and then the Ananias that was the husband of Sapphira, who was the greedy man. But we're talking about Ananias, and we'll just call him Ananias the disciple or Ananias the unsung hero. So we'll turn to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and we'll read at verse number 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we are open to whatever you want to do. We yield our hearts, our ears, our minds, our emotions. We yield them to you right now. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. See, one of the things that I believe is that we, like Ananias, can have great impact on the course of history by employing the characteristics of this not-so-well-known hero. When I say history, I really mean history or his story, or her story. Like, we can have impact on his story and on her story. Like, like if we employ these characteristics, we can do that. And uh, we recently finished at our church uh, a series called The Movement. It's called uh, Catch the Wind. And you remember, uh, Doug taught us that every movement of God begins with an invitation of God, that every movement begins with God's invitation. And so we went through this series and really preaching through the book of Acts. And, you know, ironically, I didn't even get a chance to preach this chapter. So you guys get the chance to hear me do this. And I'm like, wow, Lord, there's some great stuff in here. I should have preached this at my church. Um, but the book of Acts is about action. It's the birth of a new nation. It's this new kingdom of God people. It's really a community joining the movement of God revealed in the heart of the great command, the soul of the great commission, and the power of the promise of the Father. I share this because this is the backdrop of the context of our unsung hero. These Jesus people are living out the great command to love, love God, love people. They're living out the great commission to go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. They're living out the promise of the Father that you should wait for the promise of the Father that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. God is up to something. And reality is that you and I are a reflection of uh, the revival that took place 2,000 years ago. 
Your very presence in this room is a reflection of the revival that took place, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It has ushered them and it ushers us into a new reality, into a new movement, the movement of God. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, have we surrendered to his movement? Or are we merely spectators to his movement? Are we participating with the God of all creation in what he is doing in the earth? Have we jumped in? Have we joined it? See, this young, empowered movement is a movement of ordinary men and ordinary women who have been filled with an extraordinary person. That extraordinary person is the person of the Holy Spirit. If you you are born again and you've put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. He's an extraordinary person. Amen. That throws a little extra on your ordinary. Amen, all right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because part of the backdrop of the story is opposition. And the Holy Spirit has been known to be called the comforter, right? But you, how many you know you'll need a, comfortable, a comforter when you're uncomfortable? Uh-huh. See, you must remember every movement of God will suffer some kind of opposition. The enemy is not like, oh, okay, I see what y'all are doing. I'm just going to chill out. No, 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 no. He's going to oppose God's movement. And this is what's taking place. But the good news is that as we face opposition, we don't face it alone. God is with us. God is for us. And God is in us. This capital C church is suffering opposition. She's suffering persecution. She is smack dab in the middle of a trial. And the reality is, is they're doing the right thing. Have you ever done the right thing and still suffered opposition? They've joined God and it's moving, and all of a sudden it seems like all hell has broken loose. Mm. But this, this, this community has been known to rejoice in persecution. They've been known to throw a party uh, when they suffer hardship. I think we should learn some things from them because sometimes we don't throw a party or if we do, it's a pity party. (laughs) It's a complaining party. Yet, they're saying we're doing the right thing. We're blessing God. We're serving God. We've joined his movement. And though the enemy comes, he comes already defeated. See, this unsung hero Ananias is living in the context where it's not culturally relevant or or popular to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, in his context, it was dangerous to be a follower of Jesus. But the best thing is to be a follower of Jesus. The blessed thing, the happiest thing is to be a follower of Jesus. Give you a little more context. We'll back up to Acts chapter number 8, verse 1. It says, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, and Samaria, except for the apostles. And so you have to ask the question, what execution? Well, it was the execution of Stephen, the first martyr in the church. 
Stephen if one of the, 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 the first seven chosen as a deacon. And really, all his job was was to wait tables. And they had this requirement that if you were going to wait tables, um, uh, because there was a dispute that kind of uh, uh, that arose, it was the Hellenist Jews and or the Greek-speaking Jews and and the Hebrew Jews and and the Hellenists or the Greek-speaking Jews, their widows were not getting their right rations. And so, like, what's up? How come we ain't getting our due? And so uh, the Spirit through the, the apostles said, "Hey, separate, find seven men full of the Holy Spirit." full of wisdom and of good report. And the reason why God says, find you seven men who are full of the spirit, full of wisdom and, and full of, uh, 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 of good report is because how many of you know what you're full of when somebody pressures you, something comes out? You know, in the, meat, in the heat of conflict, if somebody presses you and you're full of it, it comes out. Well, what is the who that you're full of? Amen. This is what's happening. It's the execution of, of Stephen, a man full of grace and power, and he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. He was a part of what God is doing, yet he dies for doing good. Sign me up. Hmm. No hands went up. I'm surprised. <laughs> the church is scattered because of persecution and hardship for following God. This is the setting that Ananias finds himself in. He says, huh, he is a disciple. He's a learner, a follower, a student, not just formation, not just enough. He's a participant in what God is up to. And notice when you read the story of Ananias, he has no title. He's not the pastor, he's not the prophet, he's not the apostle, he's not the evangelist, he's not the teacher, he's just simply a disciple, a learner, a follower of Jesus. All we know about him, we discover in Acts chapter 22 when it says that he was a devout man according to the law and uh, he was well spoken of by all the Jews. He lived well and others could see it. And now this man, this devout law-abiding citizen is, uh, is in Damascus and on its way to him is a young persecutor of the church and his name is Saul. Saul later becomes the apostle Paul. And it was this Saul or, uh, who became Paul that had just approved of the execution of Stephen. You get to Acts chapter 9, Verse 1 and 3, but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to, to the synagogues of Damascus so that he found any belonging to the way. If he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. This saw still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Well, what was Ananias? He was a disciple of the Lord. So in other words, Ananias was a recipient of the threats and the murder. 
Saul was breathing threats to the church, corporate, and he was breathing threats individually to Ananias. Why? Because he was a disciple. And Saul was coming after any disciples. I think it's a cool backdrop that, you know, you got to be very careful. Um, be very careful. The people you could be threatening and hating can be the very people God uses to bring your deliverance. Is it possible the people you hate can have the answers you need? You know, just in our, in, our, in our cultural context, you know, we're so polarized and you, you, and you, you, and you, you. But if you, if you stepped a little closer and, 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 and opened your ears a little more, you might be able to listen and find out they got answers you need. That was for free. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Ananias was a hear and obey disciple. You know, one of the values that we have here at Grace is hear and obey. In fact, we believe that we're doing our job when someone says, I heard God and I obeyed God. We're like, man, yes. When someone says, God said this and I did what he said. We're like, yes, yes. That's really, that's really what a disciple is. They're just simply people that hear and obey. It's our most important metric. Do people hear and obey? But Ananias, he employs this characteristic. It's the characteristic of being available. Availability means to be open. He's willing to do what God asks him. See, the key here is being able to say, Lord, here I am. God has a movement, and he wants each one of us to be a part of it. But the key to joining God's movement is saying, God, I'm available. Here, here I am. See, at this, this stage of the game, at, the, at, at this stage of the here I am, God's not asking you for your resume. He's not asking you for your references. He's just saying, are you available? Can you say, Lord, here I am? Lord, I'm just presenting myself. And really, throughout biblical history, God has used men and women who were simply available. Can I find some available people in the house? After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Abraham, the patriarch. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, here I am. He's the last judge. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me, Isaiah the prophet. Even Mary, in her own way, in Luke chapter 1 says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In essence, she said, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Do you trust God enough to yield to God? It's trust to yield. And Ananias said, Lord, here I am. And I believe that Ananias can say, Lord, here I am, because he trusted him to yield him because God knew his name. How many know that God knows your name? He said, Ananias. 
Ananias recognized his voice. He knew who was, it was that was calling me. He said, Lord, here I am. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet. In other words, God had called and he had intimacy. Before you ever showed up, uh, came out the birth canal, God knew you. God knows you. You can trust him because he knows you. Jesus said he knows every number of hair on your head. In other words, he's not saying you've got uh, 15,000 hairs on your head. He says, no, that one right there, that's number 132. That one right there, that's 100 and whatever. He knows them specifically and individually. God knows you. Not only can uh, an Ananias trust to yield because God knows his name, but Ananias can trust to yield because God actually sees Saul. Read it. He says, verse 11, And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas. Uh, uh, to, at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. You, you know that God's not blind to things. God sees everything. Hmm. I, I thought this was interesting. I thought this was interesting. The key is that Saul is a man breathing threats and murder against the disciple. Ananias is a disciple. And so how God answers the persecution and the threat to a disciple saying, hey, disciple, I know you're being threatened. I want to use you. Wait, what do you mean? The answer to persecution and threats by way of the Pharisee saw was, is the partnership between God and man, man and God. God, God gets Saul's attention, and then God asks man to help send Paul on mission. Now, I, I read this and I ask the question, why doesn't God just do all the work himself? Like he's already got Paul's attention, right? He's already got Saul's attention. He's already woken him up and said, hey, this great light is showing on me. He's already, well, Lord, just finish it. Well, God has always desired partnership. See, Paul needs grace from God, but Paul also needs grace from people. Paul needs love from God, but Paul also needs love from people. Paul needs to experience the power of God, but Paul also needs to experience the power of God through people. Why? Because he needs to have this understanding of these new Jesus people. Man, they're strange. I'm breathing threats and persecution to them, and they're extending grace to me. Oh, this is a different kind of people. Because, see, he came from a, a context of eye for an eye, a two for two. And now this new Jesus movement, people, they're extending grace when they've received threats. Hmm. Ananias was the partner God was looking for because he was first available. But not only was Ananias available, he was also courageous. He employs the characteristic of courage. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. 
he, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. You see that? Ananias knows who, who saw this. He had to trust to yield, but he also had to have courage to go. He had to stare fear face to face and trust the one, yield to the one who sends them on a mission. He had to have courage. Courage to go, but he also had to have faith to risk. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he says, you spell faith, R-I-S-K. Faith is just simply risk. What are you willing to risk? What are you willing to go out on a limb for? Here's a very small way that I went out on a limb. Um, I've started this running habit, and so I was on for a jog, and when I run, I, I look weird. So um, I, I'm the five-toe-finger-shoes guy that, the, you know, really, like, Strange, got all the bright colors, and I'm running down the west side of Detroit, and uh, I'm running, I run past a little a, uh, a car wash, and I see the dude in there, and uh, he doesn't look really friendly. And so I'm running, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, hey, I want you to go back and pray for him. I'm like, huh, really? You want me, you want me to do that one? Okay. <laughs> so I keep running, I'm like, okay. <laughs> But I've been reading this book about radical obedience, so I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, um, I feel compelled to pray for you. <laughs> and I'm saying that to him, and I'm walking close to him, and he's backing up. Can I pray for you? Yeah, sure, you can pray for me, but just keep, I'm like, I can, I can pray for you right now. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I, was like, I'll just, I just want to pray for you. Is that okay? Uh, can, I, can, I, can I touch you and pray for you? Weird guy in crazy shoes wants to pray. <laughs> so he's like, you can pray for me, but like do it from a distance. So I'm like, well, Lord, I pray that you bless this and may he know you. I went on my way. And uh, about two weeks later, I'm back on my little routine and I'm jogging. And I'm thinking like, this dude just totally dissed me. Like he's like, man, what a weirdo. Oh my gosh. But I'm running and he sees me in the distance, and he sees me, he says, he did it kind of cool. Like, lifted his hand up like, slow down. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so I slowed down, and he just stopped and just said, and shook my hand and said, man, I just want to thank you. I really needed that. And it was just faith to risk. Believing that God would meet me on the other end of my risk. But not only do you need to be available and courageous, but you also need to be teachable. Ananias employs the characteristic of being teachable. Teachable in the sense of how good are you at receiving new information? How about how good at you, how good are you about receiving new information about a person that, that the previous information contradicts the new information you got. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, you know something about a person. Lord, isn't this, this I've heard about this guy. He's, he's killing people out on the way. 
I, I'm not going to him. Lord, are you, Lord, are you crazy? I know y'all have never feel that. Lord, are you crazy? <laughs> Don't you know about him? And God says to Ananias, he's my chosen instrument. He's going to preach before kings and before the Gentiles. In other words, the new information has to trump the old information. How teachable are you when it comes to God's people? When somebody walks in this building and they've got, they've got a record. But God has a new identity for them. Have you listened to God enough to, to hear the new identity and to call them into that new identity? That's why being a prophetic culture is important. In other words, getting downloads from heaven so that we really see who people are, not what they've done. Come on, if you tell the truth, if we treated people based on how, what they've done, then we all in trouble. And some of us, we would be locked up. We just didn't get caught. Let me. <laughs> Thank you, Denny. Listen, you can't walk in humility without being teachable, and you can't be teachable without being humble. So we've got to stop with the data points. We start collecting data about people. Just put them in our pocket like, yeah, uh-huh. And they swear they're changed. But as soon as they do something that reminds you of what they used to be, yeah, how changed are you really? It's a way that we create distance with people. But that's not the kingdom. It's not the kingdom of culture. So when we really start loving the way that God asks us, and I would even say requires us to love God, start sharing secrets to us about people because we can be trusted. That way we start calling people into their future, call them into their destiny, call them to who they really are, not just what they've done. And in I's employees, the characteristic of being available, characteristic of being courageous, characteristic of being teachable, but he also employs the characteristic of being spirit-influenced or full of the spirit. It's when we say, Lord, will you lead me? Lord, would you fill me? I mean, it should be like an everyday prayer. Lord, lead me, Lord, fill me. Lord, lead me, Lord, fill me. I want to know where you want me to go. And when I get there, I want them to experience you more than they experience me. Lord, lead me, Lord, fill me. See, spirit-influenced disciples, you know, uh, it, being spirit-influenced determines how and what you give people. So Ananias departed, verse 17, and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Now notice what he did. He called him a brother. Now Saul knows that Ananias knows that Saul was a persecutor. But Ananias had to look past the persecution and say, Saul, you're my brother. Mm. 
Brother Saul, and the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he had grace to give. You only can give what you got. Ananias had received grace so he could extend grace. And Ananias had received love so he could extend love. Ananias had received forgiveness so he can extend forgiveness. You remember what we say, love has not flown fully in you until it flows through you. You're really not walking in the forgiveness of the Father until you start forgiving his children. Ananias has grace to give. He's got love to give. Ananias is a part, he's a, he's a part of a movement, the movement of God. How many know that you're a part of a movement? You're a part of the movement of God. Like you are a catalyst for revival. In dark places, you're, you're callous. You, you bring light to dark places. You are a part of the movement of God. God wants to use you. Like, it's the reality. You are more than financial aid for this building and for this staff and for this mission. You are more than, uh, we call nickels and noses, and then, you know, well, we got this on our roster. We've got a thousand people on a Sunday. Well, you're more than just a number. You are a person uh, on mission for God. Yes. You are his representatives. You are answers to problems. You are solution to issues but you got to be available. You got to be courageous. You got to be teachable. You got to be spirit-influenced or spirit-filled. You got to be X. God's called you to be X. Of people who have been commissioned to go a people who have been commanded to love. And the people who have been empowered by his spirit. Be X, be X, be X. I was recently at a conference and I heard a guy named Robbie Dawkins and he began to share the story of his grandfather's posterity and how there was a legacy of faith in their family. And he shared the story, and he said, one day my grandfather, my grandfather lived in the day of the, a depression, uh, of the depression, and he was a, he was a poor farmer pastor, uh, but he was a giving man. And he shared the story that one day they had a tent revival. I don't know if y'all know what tent revival or They had a tent revival. They had church in a tent. And they were raising money for missions. It's the, the depression, and they're taking up an offering for missions. And they're trying to raise up enough money, and they don't have it yet. They're not at their target number yet. And all of a sudden, uh, this young lady walks up, and she taps the, 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 the hip of the older man who was the facilitator of the meeting. And he's like, she's like, I've got something to say. She's a 10-year-old girl. Uh, can I say something? And like, what do you want? Uh, can I say something? He's like, well, finally, okay, yeah, you can say something. And the young girl 
she grabbed the mic and she stood up. She says, I'm the daughter of a poor farmer pastor and I don't have much. She grabbed the offering basket and she took it and she set it down on the ground and she says, Lord, but here I am. I don't have much to give, but Lord, all I got is me. Will this work? Can you use me? And Robbie, Robbie was in Japan. This has got to be 60, 70 years later. He's in Japan having a meeting with some of the Japanese leaders. And his mother, that was his mother. The 10-year-old girl was his mom. And he's at the, in the church uh, of Japan, and he's sharing the story, and he shows a picture of his mother teaching a classroom of Japanese kids. And all of a sudden, a few of the leaders of the Japanese churches, I was there. Why? Because a young girl said, Lord, here I am. I don't have much, but I give you me. She had to be available. She had to be courageous. She had to be teachable. And she had to be spirit-influenced. Will that be you? Will you say, Lord, I'm available? Maybe this morning you need trust to yield, courage to go, or faith to risk, or grace to give. Well, I believe that God is right here. Whatever you need, he's present. He's trying to push some of us out of our comfort. You and I are ordinary people, and God has an extraordinary mission for us to accomplish. It's like, will all the unsung heroes stand up? Lord, I'll do a great deed for you. I don't need any recognition. I just want to be a part of what you're doing. But if that's you, you need trust to yield, faith to risk, courage to go, grace to give. We're gonna, our prayer team will be down here. We're going to pray for you because we believe that God wants to meet you right where you are. As the team was praying this morning, a few words, words that came out was hope and peace. Uh, but God has hope for you. Don't give up. Some of you are going through family strife. God will bring peace to it. God wants to release hope for the hopeless, and he wants to bring, bring unity in families. I'll take one more risk. Why don't you stand? If you have pain in your body, just come and we want to pray for you. I believe that God's a healer. And all we have to do is submit to the healer. So, Father, I pray for my friends. Lord, this movement of people. Ah, Lord, you called us into your mission. Not to just sit in pews, but go and share the good news of a God who redeems, of a God who loves, a God who shows grace, a God who empowers. And so, Lord, we say, empower us. 
We say we are available to you for your mission. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a super Sunday. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray with you.